Well, good morning. Happy Easter, everybody. It's good to be alive, isn't it? Can we just stand up right where you are and give the biggest shout for Jesus for rising again as you possibly can after three? Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Happy Easter. You can sit down. I just come with good news this morning. Hands up if you love good news. I only have great news today. I love Easter. This is a time of celebration. You know, a few weeks ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop um, in a, on somewhere between here and Chicago, and I was waiting for a friend, and I had a few moments, and I love to write, and I'm just in my own little world, and I could hear a conversation. You know when you try not to listen to other people's conversations, but you can just hear them anyway, and this conversation was talking about church, and talking about religion, and talking about Jesus, and talking about Bible study, and this one guy was like, well, I'm going to Bible study tonight, and the other guys there were saying, well, why are we going to Bible study? That's just a waste of time. I would never go to Bible study, I would, and the next one said, I would never go to a church. And this other guy was trying to defend himself, and these six, seven guys were all stood around and, and he said, well, I, I, I just love it. I just can't wait to go. So I have to leave to go to this Bible study. And uh, some, one of the other friends said, well, where do, is this Bible study? He said, out west. And I was thinking, I'm out west. So after a while, I just said, hey guys, I don't mean to be rude, but just, I was wondering, where do you go to Bible study? He said, uh, I go to a church in Elgin. And he said the name of the church and I knew the pastor. I said, oh, I know the pastor there. So we began to chat. And these other guys were just listening like, so you go to church too? And I said, nah, not really. And uh, <laughs> they said, so uh, where are you from? I said, I'm from England. They said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I, they said, I thought you said you didn't go to church. I said, well, really, we don't go to church. Uh, the Bible says that we are the church. And this church isn't really something that we go to, and it's not really something that we do. And they just kind of looked at me like, what? And he said, well, I hate religion. I said, me too. He said, I thought you said you were a pastor. I said, I am. He said, then how could you hate religion? I said, because Jesus did. See, Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole of the Bible is in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And it says, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now at work in us. And 11 verses later, Romans chapter 8, verse 22 It says this, that all creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God. Everyone say sons, not sinners, sons, not slaves, but saints to be revealed. And I'm thinking about this scripture like, that's me right now. All creation is waiting in this coffee shop for some good news. So I started to talk about how I didn't like religion and just going to, it wasn't a matter of going to church, but we are the church. And I started to talk about the cross and these guys were listening to me. And then one of them goes, goes well, if that's what following Jesus is about, I want to do it. So he gets saved in the coffee shop. And then the guy next to him starts to cry. I said, are you okay, bud? He said, I've been trying to lead this guy to love for ages. <sighs> And he says, you know, I'm, I, was, I grew up in a different religion, but then I gave my life to Jesus. And I've just, I'm so in love with Jesus. He completely changed my life. And, and I've been trying to tell my friends, but they won't listen. And then we're sitting here, and then this guy's going to Bible study, and then you show up. And so these other guys are like, wow, so you don't go to church, but you're a pastor, and you're not religious, and you're a pastor. I said, yeah. I said, no, the church is a people, so we get together once a week. 
And they said, well, why can't we do that here? I said, well, we could. So the next time we met, I got a special room in this coffee shop down in Schaumburg. And I met, we were all so excited, texting each other. We're still on for 12 o'clock on the Wednesday. Yes. So I get there and I'm in line and I get my coffee and there's the guy next to me and I hear him talking to the cashier and he says the word mate. So I thought, well, he must be English. Hello, mate, he said. I said, are you English? He said, no, I'm from Australia. Of course, they say mate too, but in a different way. So I said, he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from England. He said, oh, I used to live in England. I said, no way. I said, that's really cool. So I paid for my coffee. I said, it's really nice to meet you. And I took my coffee and I went back around the corner into this room where all these guys were sitting, right? Because we were having this meeting to talk about life and to talk about what Jesus has done in our life, right? So I go, they go, hey, Dan, I come in. We're giving big hugs. Like, what's up? So good to see you. And we sit down like in the, around, these, around this big table. And suddenly this guy from Australia, he walks past the room and he goes, how you doing? And so they thought he was with me because he looked at me. But I, they don't know I only met him 60 seconds before. So they went, hey! And they all jumped up and they gave him hugs. And he was like, what? They were like, one guy goes, my name's Ben. He goes, well, my name's Danny. I'm from Australia. He goes, welcome, brother. Come on in. Sit down. Have a seat. We're just talking about what Jesus has done in our life. And he's like, right, I go to church sometimes. Like at Christmas. And they're like, that's okay, man. Because... The church is about people, and we're just meeting together today here in the coffee shop. Whoo! So this is really exciting. So now these people are getting saved, and this thing has continued to swell and grow. And I just want to say it's all because Jesus rose from the dead, and he came that we may have life and have it to the full. Here's a great acronym for life, living in fullness Every day, every single day, Jesus came that we may have life. Everyone say life. life. And have it in abundance. See, that's why I love life. Because he's alive. But you know, the other reason I'm really excited is because he is coming back. All right, I'm going to read one scripture to you today. Actually, I might read two. But here's, what, here's the first one. It's in John chapter, um, John chapter 20. This is the scripture we always read whenever it's Easter. So I should read my Bible and uh, get into the Word. Okay, ready? Uh, John chapter 20 um, and verse 3. Now, this is John's gospel. So John wrote this. So Peter and the other disciples started at the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's really interesting. I think it's always funny that John wrote this about himself. How the fact that John got there first. None of the other gospels mention that. But anyway. He bent over and looked in, and the strips of linen were lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth had been folded by itself, separated from the linen. Everyone say, folded. The linen had been folded. Finally, the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And he saw and he believed. They did, not, they did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise again from the dead. Do you know in Hebrew tradition, if a king was sitting at a table surrounded by his servants, he would take his napkin. And when he had taken his napkin, and he'd wiped his beard and put his napkin on the floor. All the servants knew that the king had now finished his meal and they could then get to work and clear the table. 
But did you know that if the king folded the napkin and left it on the table, it was a sign that he was coming back? There's a reason why Jesus folded the linen in the tomb. There's a reason why the linen folded itself. Because it was a sign in that culture that Jesus was coming back. So I'm excited today. Not only did Jesus die on the cross so that we could have life and have it to the full, but because he is coming back again. He's coming back again. The same, they said in in Acts chapter 1, it says, the same way that you've seen him go, he will return again. Isn't that exciting? I I just want to thank Denny. Where's Denny? Denny, can you stand? Denny made this beautiful cross this week. We used to have one of these crosses, but we lent it to another church, and they didn't bring it back because they stole it. But we never mention that because we totally forgive. And like Jesus, when we forgive, we never bring it up again. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us, and he remembers them no more. But I'm not Jesus. (laughs) So so I want to talk about the cross just for these few moments that we have left. All right, and there's a, there's a great passage um, in Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. And it says there are two domains in this world. There's two, some call them kingdoms, but they're not, they can't really be kingdoms because a kingdom has to have a king. All right, but there's two. And this side, I'm afraid you're going to be darkness. So everyone say darkness. All right, and then this side is the light. Are you glad you're all the light? All right, so this is the light. So darkness... Everyone shout, darkness. Darkness. And this is the light. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, You used to be living in this place of darkness, but you've been transferred into the marvelous, everyone say marvelous. It's a good British saying. It's blooming marvelous. It's a marvelous kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. And we can call this a kingdom because the Bible does. And the reason the Bible does is because a kingdom has to have a king and his name is Jesus. All right. So there's a kingdom of light. And this is the marvelous kingdom of light. So, and all of that happened because of what happened on the cross. Over here, the Bible says, when we were in darkness, we were all sinners. Okay, We were born into sin. The Bible says, we all have sinned, each turning to our own way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each and every one of us was born into sin. That's why you don't see, when you see a one-year-old or a two-year-old, no one taught that child to say, no! <laughs> no one, we were born with this sinful nature. Why? Because of one man's sin, all have sinned. Okay, so there's sin in the human race. But the most favorite passage in the Bible is John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And this is, this is good news. What I'm going to tell you today is such good news. This is the gospel. This is why we're alive. And if you're not, if you're not enjoying life, I pray that today something will happen in your life that, that chains of depression or oppression leave you. Whether it's sickness, whatever it is, will leave you so that you can live in the kingdom of light and actually enjoy life living in fullness every day. So, here we are. We're all in darkness. Jesus dies on the cross. Now, I, don't, I know sometimes we've got a lot of kids here, so I'm going to just edit this a little bit, okay? 
and make it more PG. But it was beyond mature. The Bible says that what happened on the cross, Jesus was actually, what happened to him left him in a state of being that was beyond human likeness. That's what really happened. The cross is actually a symbol of death. And Jesus, because of his love for you and me, endured the cross. In Romans chapter 12, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Do you know that joy was you and me? Do you know that joy was, was knowing that we, he, in doing that, he could take us from darkness into light? Do you know in doing that, he could take us from slaves into saints, from sinners into sons, to live under the jurisdiction of the king, which is a wonderful place to live in his kingdom, which is marvelous. This is why it's called such great, awesome, amazing news. There's one scripture I said I'd only turn to two, so this is the last one. It's in Isaiah chapter 61. And this passage of scripture is, is from the prophet Isaiah who was foretelling about this person, Jesus, that would die on the cross. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up and he starts by taking this very passage of scripture and he stands up and he reads what we're about to read and it reads like this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to set captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn and for those who, who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a, a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I know that's a whole bunch of words, but basically what it means is Jesus himself stands up and he says in Luke chapter 4, I am the fulfillment of what Isaiah was talking about all that time ago. It's me. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, to do this, to set captives free. And there's five things I just want to pull out very quickly from this passage in Isaiah chapter 61. And the first one is gladness for sadness. This is a divine exchange. Everyone say divine exchange. This is how we get from one domain to the next. This is how we get from darkness to light. This is how we go from sinners to saints. This is how we go from slaves to sons through this divine exchange. And there's five things that Isaiah 61 says will happen when the Messiah, when Jesus comes. And this was the first, that you will get gladness instead of sadness. The second one is praise instead of despair. The third one is joy instead of mourning. The fourth one is a double portion for shame. You know, I hate shame. You know, you hear this shame on you. I like to say shame off you. Because if you know what Jesus did on the cross, now we can live in this marvelous kingdom of life, shame free. <laughs> That's why it's so good news. The gospel means good news. And it sounds too good to be true, but the truth is it's too good and it's too true. It's marvelous. Okay, I'm excited. All right. So the, th the fourth thing is double portion for our shame. And the fifth is everlasting joy for our disgrace. Everlasting joy for our disgrace. It's so important that when we fully understand this amazing divine exchange, that some the miracle happens inside of us.
When we realize what Jesus did on the cross was a completely finished work. Jesus cried out and he said these words, tetelestai, which means paid in full. So when we fully realize what Jesus did on the cross, we stop being on this journey to the cross, doing things for love, doing things for acceptance, doing things for victory, doing things for approval. And suddenly we realize, no, I'm not on a journey to something. I'm on a journey from something. I'm on a journey from the finished work of the cross. I'm on a journey from darkness into light because of what Jesus did on the cross. Isn't that amazing? Isn't this good news? That's why it should just, just pour out of us this good news. And suddenly we don't have to have evangelism campaigns. It's just oozing out of us because it's the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? Excited you now. I'm, I'm really excited. I, maybe you could tell. Pretty excited about what Jesus did on the cross. Pretty excited about he rose again from the dead. Yeah, you know, you know, the devil, John 10, 10, everyone say John 10, verse 10. Easy to remember, it says this, the devil comes only for three reasons, to steal, kill, and destroy. But, that's a big but, this is the big but of Easter, but Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. That we may have life, that we may live in fullness every single day. That we may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to live a full life. But the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why even though we can live as sons free from depression, free from sickness, free from shame, free from disgrace, the enemy wants to pull us back over there. He wants to tell us you're a sinner, but you're not. You're a saint. That's why the Bible never writes to the sinners. In Colossae or Philippi or Ephesus or Thessalonica. It's always to the saints, never to the sinners. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. You know, the other night I couldn't sleep and I was lying awake and I, I turned on the TV and I watched National Geographic. And uh, I was watching this thing on wolves. And these wolves were hungry, and it was like um, the ice caps were melting, and they had to, they had to, fight, they had to go and search for, for food, right? So they were really, really hungry. And they couldn't, they find, they'd come across like little hares, and they'd eat and rabbits, and, but they were still hungry. And so they came across these bison. Now, these bison are like five times as big as me, maybe ten times. Right. Easy. I'll do my own math, thank you. Anyway, so they come across the bison, and I'm like, oh, how's this going to work? And then the commentator, I think it was David Attenborough, said, now, he said, you know, the music's playing, and he says, watch this. And the wolves charged the bison, causing them to run. And as soon as they got to the rear of the bison, the bison didn't know what it was. It was happened so quickly that they just began to take off and run. And it said, watch what happens. As the bison run, they will, in their confusion and in the shock and in the moment of just what's happening and disorientation, they'll lose their little ones and the wolves will take them out. And then suddenly something happened. All of a sudden, the bison just made an abrupt stop and they 
dug their hooves in and they just the ground just skidded up and they turned around and they locked their hooves into the ground and they shoved them in, they put their heads down and they surrounded their young and the wolves just stopped in front of them for about five minutes and then the commentator says, and the standoff is over. <laughs> Stalemate. Stalemate. Because the devil is like that. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his only purpose, to steal from us, to kill us, to destroy us. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it, in to, the, to, the, have it to the full. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, Paul writes, he says, take your stand against the enemy. Don't be ignorant of Satan. Don't be ignorant of his devices. He wants to rip us off. He wants to destroy us. But we need to realize that there really is a real enemy that wants to suck the living daylights out of us, to suck the life that Jesus came to give us, to destroy us, to choke us, to make us scared, to make us run. But as soon as they realized, I'd love to be inside that bison's head. Why are we running? Why are you running? Why are you running? I don't know. They're wolves. We're bigger than they are. Stop. Turn around. Boom. Everything comes to an end. That's what the devil does every day. He tries to make us run. He tries to make us scared. He tries to make us divide. But when we stand together and say, we ain't going anywhere. You know, you have more power in your pinky than all the hordes of hell. Do you know that really is true? That's why Romans 8, 11 is so powerful. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. It's at work in us. He's alive. And all creation is waiting for you and for me just to stand up and be who he has called us to be. Amen? I'm going to finish in just a moment, but... Um, some of you may have heard this story before, but it's a story about two friends that were walking in Europe through a gallery. And they were spending the day together and they went to this gallery and it was an art gallery and every, this gallery went for, had so many rooms and they walked from room to room and having fun together and talking until they came to this one particular room and hanging on the biggest wall was this ginormous painting and under the painting was the words, Checkmate. And these two friends, they stopped and they looked at this painting and they were studying it and then the, one of them nudged the other and goes, come on, let's go. And the other one said to him, no, just give me a few more minutes. So they waited a few more minutes. And one of them was staring intently into this picture, looking at this picture. Now, the picture was of two people. One was of the devil. And the devil had a long beard. And he was going like this with his beard. And the devil was laughing. Many of you may have seen this picture. And opposite this chessboard was a man with his head in his hands. And he's, 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 his, his whole countenance is down because the devil in this picture called Checkmate is laughing. He's laughing at him because he's won. And as these two friends stared at this picture one just looking intently into it. The other one was getting more frustrated. He said, come on, let's go. There's so much more to see. And he said, you, go on, go on without me. I just need a few more minutes. And this man continued to stare at this magnificent painting, examining every piece. And then he gasped. He gasped and at the top of his voice, he shouted, there's been a mistake. Somebody call the artist. Somebody call the manager. 
of the museum. Somebody call the owner. We must contact the artist because it's not checkmate. The king has one more move. The king has one more move. And this man began to take off running through the art galleries shouting, the king has one more move. The king has one more move. The artist has made a mistake. And I'm here to tell you, people of God, on Easter Sunday, that the king has one more move. He always has one more move. Why? Because he is the king of king and he is the Lord of lords. And though he finished And he finished his meal like the king at the table. He folded his napkin and he folded his linen because he was saying, I just want you to know I'm coming back. I want you to know it was finished, but I'm not finished. I'm going to continue to do a work in you. And even if the devil runs at you like a pack of wolves, even if he laughs and says it's checkmate, I want you to know that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is still at work in you. And I still have one more move. And it's never checkmate. Church, it's never checkmate with God. He is the ruler of the universe. That's why it's called a domain of darkness, not a kingdom of darkness, because you can't have a king of darkness. He's not a king. He's a toothless lion. The Bible says we are that Jesus is the lion. The Bible says we're as bold as a lion. And the Bible says the devil prowls around like a lion. He isn't a lion. Jesus is the lion. We are as a lion. He's a fake. He's a phony. He's a mouse with a microphone. If you want to write a letter to the devil, write it and put it on your shoe. And then start walking because he's under your feet. He's completely defeated. See, part of the curse was he will strike your head in Genesis. But the Bible says, but you will crush his head. You will crush his head. You know, Golgotha was called the place of the skull because it looked like a skull. And so when Jesus had railway ties nailed into his hands, I'm, being, I'm editing as I go, and into his feet, and he was lifted up. He was dropped into a hole. If I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, that's what really what he's talking about. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. If the cross be lifted up, if the cross be lifted up, if I carry everything on me, all your sickness and all, all disease and all shame of all mankind, then I'll draw all men unto myself. But at the same time, Golgotha will be pierced. The enemy's head will be crushed. It was a prophetic picture when the cross went into the ground of the enemy the serpent's head being crushed just close your eyes for a moment I'm going to pray in just a second but there's a story of a young boy a young boy who grew up in a village and this young boy was adventurous this young boy loved exploring life he loved exploring People and he loved to think and loved to figure things out like most young boys. And this boy, as he grew up, he heard about this wise old man, this wise old man that lived in the village, the wise old man that knew everything, the wise old man that never made a mistake, the wise old man that had an answer for everything. He'd never been wrong about anything ever. As this boy grew up and he thought, how can this be? Can can one person know everything? Could one wise old man know everything and never be wrong about anything? And he thought to himself, I know. And he thought into his little boyish self, I'm going to devise a little plan that I will be able to 
trick. This wise old man. He says, I'm going to go and catch a butterfly and I'm going to put the butterfly in my hand. I'm going to go to the wise old man's house and I'm going to knock on the door. And I'm going to say, wise old man, is the butterfly in my hand alive or is it dead? And if he says it's alive, I'll squish it with my finger and he'll be wrong. But if, I, if he says it's dead, I'll open my hands and it will be alive and he'll be wrong. So the young boy raced off and he found a butterfly and he set off to the old man's house. And when he got to the door, he, this young boy, with excitement in his heart, knocks on the door. And the big door opens with a big creaking sound. And this very kind, wise old man stood there before the boy and he looked down and he said, yes, son, with a big smile on his face and the young boy said, wise old man, I, I'm here to ask you a question. Is the butterfly in my hand alive or is it dead? Wise old man looked at the young boy with love in his face and kindness in his eyes. And he said, son, life and death is in your hands. Today you need, you need to decide. And I want to just give everybody in this room an opportunity this morning on Easter Sunday. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've been to church every day of your life or you've never been to church until today. I don't care how religious or non-religious you may think that you are. I'm here to tell you that God hates religion. But he does love life. And he does love you. So if I can ask you just to bow your heads and I'm going to just pray this prayer for everybody in this room today. And if today you want to just offer your life again to Jesus, the God of life, the creator of the universe, then just pray this prayer say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that not only did you die and in dying carry my sickness and carry my shame and carry my sin, but I thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. I thank you that you conquered death. I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and I thank you that life is the life that you've given to me and today I ask that you'd forgive me for my sin, that you'd forgive me for doing things my own way. There's nothing I can do to shake out this sin. There's nothing I can do to get rid of it but I can give it all to you. And I can thank you for taking it all on the cross and paying it for me. Here's my heart. All of me. I give it to you today on Easter Sunday.